You know, two weeks ago, I heard one of the most amazing stories. A gentleman in my neighborhood shared with me about his mother and how she had struggled for so much of her life. He said his father had went off and fought in World War II, came back a different person, a violent person, a person who would drown away the traumatic memories of war with alcohol. He said his mother was a very strong, God-fearing woman, and she took the brunt of her husband's anger. This gentleman told me they never, they never went anywhere, they never done anything as a family because they, they never knew how dad would be from day to day. And he said after certain outbursts from his father, his mother would often retreat alone in her bedroom and she would write in her diary. A diary that she kept for many years. But you see, what made this diary different than most was that she didn't write down all these struggles and negative things that were happening. She would write down what she wished would happen. She would write down how she wished she was treated. Things that she wished they could do. For example... Instead of the husband came home drunk and berating her in front of the kids, she would write down how her amazing husband did something incredible for the family. Took her to an elegant dinner, a night of ballroom dancing, whisked her away on a, on a romantic getaway. So it was like this little imaginary world. This imaginary life. It's like this here doesn't really match up with this here. Father has since passed away. His mother is very old and she now suffers with Alzheimer's. Lives with he and his wife so they can take care of her and she can't remember much of her life or the people that were in it. But he said she reads a little bit of that diary each night. And tears fill up in her eyes and she'll turn to him and she'll say, didn't we have a wonderful life? Wasn't I blessed with an incredible life? This story made me think of another story that's in the Bible. Another story where things really don't seem to match up. It's in Acts chapter 2. It's where the followers of Jesus, they're all gathered together on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost being a Jewish celebration commemorating the completion of the grain harvest. And they're all gathered together. Now keep in mind, this story is taking place ten days after Jesus ascended to heaven. The ascension, as it's called. And it occurred forty days after his resurrection. So our timeline is, 
is Jesus is crucified. Three days later, he's resurrected. Forty days later, he ascends to heaven. So now, ten days later, they're in Jerusalem on Pentecost. There's 120 of them now all gathered together. And in Acts 2, verse 2, it says, Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. So this is the moment that the Holy Spirit came upon the followers of Jesus. And from this point forward... For Christians, Pentecost switched from being a celebration of the grain harvest to being the day on which the church was started because the Spirit brought the church into existence. So Pentecost is now the birthday of the church. Now that was just a little history lesson for you. What made me think of this story, though, in relation to my neighbor's mom was that on that day, it was Peter who stood up for the very first time and gave the first sermon at the first church service. And the Bible says at the end of that sermon, 3,000 people invited Christ into their lives. Wow. And of all the disciples, it was Peter. See, here's why this gets me. Just two months earlier, it was Peter who rebuked Jesus not once, but twice. The first is when Jesus is telling his disciples he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things. He must be killed and be raised on the third day. And Mark 8, verse 32 says, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. I mean, can you imagine this? Jesus. We need to tone it down a little. You're starting to scare the boys. I mean, although I saw you perform healing after healing... Calm a raging storm, not to mention a couple people you brought back from the dead. I mean, I realize, I realize you're the Son of God and all. But let me tell you how I would do things. Now, the second rebuke was when Jesus wanted to wash the disciples' feet. Peter wanted no part of it. Both rebukes got Jesus fired up a little bit. He let Peter know about it. And now it's Peter who's fearlessly standing up and leading the church. The same Peter who just 53 days earlier couldn't even stay awake and stand guard and pray when Jesus needed him the most. If you remember that story, it's the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is so overwhelmed with sorrow over what he knows is getting ready to happen to him. Scripture says he's weeping tears of blood. He's so distressed. And twice he had to go to Peter and say, wake up. 
Peter, I need you right now. And now Peter's awake like never before, boldly preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just days after this first sermon, he goes to the public square and teaches, and 2,000 more commit their lives to Christ. So, in just a matter of days, 5,000 people join the church. Peter goes from denying Jesus three times to acknowledging and confessing and leading 5,000 people to Him in two months. This is like two completely different stories. And I think that maybe what gets me the most about this, I'm a lot like Peter. You see, I've rebuked God. I've said, no, I don't want to do things your way. God, I want to do things my way. I've fallen asleep spiritually at times. I've neglected to stand guard. I've neglected to be in prayer about people that needed me the most. Tough times people were going through. Heck, I wonder how many times I've denied Jesus. Not acknowledging Him before a meal or in front of certain people. Being too scared at times to take an opportunity to witness to someone. See, I think we all deny the Lord in our own way. I mean, maybe it's in your school hallway. Maybe it's at your workplace. Maybe it's just when you're, you seem to be around a certain group of people. Sometimes it just seems like it's easier to tuck the cross away than to boldly proclaim it. See, Peter's story is real. It's personal. He is me at times, and I bet he's probably you at times. So how does one go from being an ordinary, normal fisherman named Simon to being used by God in such powerful ways? See, I think the answer to this, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you're going to see that Peter wasn't afraid to take risks. And I believe to get anywhere in life, to achieve anything in life, you have to be taking risks. Now, I don't think all risks are good. I think some of them are stupid. You know, when I was 16, I had really long hair. It was the 80s. You know, this was the decade of the mullet. And one evening after watching... Headbangers Ball on MTV, I decided I wanted to get blonde streaks highlighted in my hair like Bon Jovi had. So the next day I go to Pete the Barber. Pete informs me he really doesn't do highlights. He's more of a crew cut, flat top kind of guy. 
So he sends me to the only hair salon we had in Ridgeville, Indiana. And I informed her what I wanted. And she said, you know, I think your hair may be too dark. I'm afraid it might turn orange. I said, lady, my music career depends upon two things. One, tight leather pants. Two, blonde highlights in my hair. I'll take that risk. So she does her thing. And do you think my hair turned out looking like John Bon Jovi? Or do you think it turned out looking like Cindy Lauper? <laughs> Let me give you a little hint. You young ones in here that have no idea what just happened. Let me put it in a situation you may be more familiar with. I looked like one of those evil clowns that's terrorizing our nation. You see, my risk did not pay off. It was not a good risk that I took. Now, there is a difference between a risk and a step of faith. You see, a step of faith is a risk that you feel God calling you to do. If your risk has no way of glorifying God, it's not a step of faith. It's just a risk. See, a risk is about what you can do. A step of faith is about what God can do. And this is what we will be talking about today. This is our final teaching in this series that we've been on called Risk. And we're going to be looking at three steps of faith that Simon Peter took that ultimately put him in position to impact lives and to impact the kingdom of God. And I believe as much as we resemble the weaknesses and the shortcomings and the failures of, like we just talked about, we are all just as capable of being used by God to do equally amazing things. And it's all in the way that we step. So for our first step, I want to go to Mark chapter 1 verse 16. It says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, He saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. So the first step of faith, the first way that Peter stepped and the first way we need to step is to step in. Step in. You see, he stepped in to a relationship with Jesus. He made a decision to follow Christ. See, this is the step that starts everything. Peter's life changed the moment he made the decision to follow Christ. His identity changed 
when he accepted Jesus' invitation. That's why it says at once they left their nets. See, the moment he stepped into this relationship, he went from being Simon the fisherman to Peter the rock. The new name Jesus gave him. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. See, when you say yes to Christ, you're making a decision to follow Him and to leave your old life behind. You get a new name, Christian. You get a new life. You get a new purpose. You get a new destiny. See, when we make the decision to follow Christ, our identity changes instantly. Our eternal destiny changes instantly. Now everything else in between takes a little time. But as we begin reading the Word of God and we surround ourselves with a church community, we start to see things differently. We begin to feel things differently. We don't want to do all the same things anymore. That's us dropping our nets. You know, I stepped into a relationship with Jesus Christ 11 years ago One week before Easter, the very first time I attended this church. And I knew that day. I knew it. I was set right over there. I knew that life was going to change. I didn't know how. I didn't know how much. But I knew something just happened. Keep in mind, I knew nothing about the church. This is the only church I've ever been a part of. I knew nothing about the Bible. It was all a learning experience. It was like I was starting in kindergarten. God started chipping away my life. Started chiseling. I was beginning to see differently. I was beginning to feel differently. Oh, I had a potty mouth on me. Man, I could tell jokes that make Mr. Trump blush. And I begin to change the things I would say. I begin to change the things I would do. It was like, this just doesn't feel right anymore. This doesn't seem funny to me anymore. I was dropping my net. The old was gone. The new had come. And with this came some new people that I started to surround myself with. You see, through the church, I found some people whose spiritual walk was much further along the line, and I'd see how they were doing things, man. And I'd see character in there, and I'd see integrity, and I'd start to get inspired, and this would encourage me. See, I'm telling you, the right person in your life can make a huge difference. There was once an elderly gentleman who loved playing golf, but he was almost 80, And his vision just wasn't that good anymore, so he always had partners with him when he went out to play so they could watch 
where his ball went. Well, one day his buddies didn't show up, and this was a beautiful day for golf. And as he waited outside the clubhouse, he was getting more and more upset that he wasn't going to get to play. So another elderly man in the clubhouse saw him and he said, well, what's wrong? The man explained his predicament. He said, I was really, just really looking forward to playing golf today, but I just don't see very well anymore. And I need someone to watch the ball after I hit it. Now the second man was even older than he was, but he said, that ain't no problem. I'll be glad to ride around with you. Heck, I got 20-20 vision. I can see like a hawk. You concentrate on hitting the ball, and I'll watch it fly down the fairway. So they go out on the first tee. The old man hit the ball. Man, good shot right down center. Turned to his spotter. Said, did you see it? The man replied, I saw it all right. I watched it all the way until it stopped rolling. Well, the old man said, where'd it go? The older man paused for a minute, said, I forget. Friends, you need people around you that see where you are wanting to go and can help you get there. You see, when Peter, when Peter took that, that risk and he stepped into a relationship with, with Christ, it was like that moving chest that just changes everything. See, along with a new identity along with a new destiny, Jesus put a group of people around Peter to help him fulfill his calling. And this was all a step in preparing Peter for what he was going to be called to do for the kingdom of God. We're no different. We are no different. God already sees what you are capable of. And He already has this grand plan for your life. A way that you're going to make a huge impact. And he's just been waiting for you to say yes so he could start putting it all together. That's the first step. Now for our next step, I want to go to a very popular story that's in Matthew 14. This is where all the... Disciples are in the boat and the wind's getting heavy. The waves are getting choppy and everything is is really getting scary looking. And then Jesus comes walking across the water towards them. And in verse 28, Peter replies, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. So the second step of faith I want to talk about today, the way Peter stepped in this scripture, and the next way we need to step is to step out. Step out. 
Now I know that this story can be taught to show another one of Peter's many failures and how he took his eyes off of Jesus. And I get that. But I can't help but think, here's a person that not only stepped in and committed to following Jesus, but is willing to step out and prove it. I mean, it was storming. The water was rough. The boat was a safe place to be. See, I think this is an amazing story of Peter stepping out of his comfort zone. No one else was jumping up. And the truth is, when we become afraid to step out, we stop growing. When we get to the point where we get a little too comfortable sitting in the boat, our story starts to stall right there. And the thing is, see, if you're fine with just stepping into a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's okay. Your identity changed. Your eternal destiny is secure but you're never going to reach your potential. You're never going to experience whatever God's grand plan is for your life if you don't step out at times. You don't walk on the water by sitting in the boat. You don't. You see, we need opportunities to push us. We need situations to allow us to step out. This is all part of the growing process. So a year into my new life as a Christ follower, I reluctantly volunteered to go on a mission trip to Gulfport, Mississippi and help with the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. Now this was way out of my comfort zone. And I actually battled the temptation to cancel all the way up until the last minute. Man, I didn't know these people well enough to ride 16 hours one way in a van. I didn't even know what Christian people did on mission trips. But I went. And I actually ended up enjoying the trip. It was good to feel like you was really making a difference to people. And during that trip, I said a prayer out loud in front of people for the first time. And I know that doesn't sound like a big deal, but to me it was a very big deal. One year later, I returned to Gulfport. And when we would finish up working on someone's house, we would all get in a circle with the homeowner. And I was one of the ones that would say a prayer and bless the house. Again, doesn't sound that big of a deal. But I was being given opportunities to step out and my faith was getting stronger. So I want to fast forward now two years 
We were on a mission trip in Kentucky, Appalachian area. We was at a Church of the Brethren Christian school. I'm riding with Dr. Greg Gale from here at the church. We are riding separate from the passenger van because we're pulling a trailer. And we got supplies loaded up on the trailer. About an hour and a half into this trip, Greg informs me that the school has a church service at noon every day where all the, the people in the school gather in the gymnasium for a 25-minute sermon. And he said, someone from our mission team has to do it tomorrow, and we all think it should be you. I said, me? I said, I can assure you I'm not doing it. I said, what makes you possibly even think that I could stand up and deliver a message? He said, well, you play in a band. He said, you're the only one that's used to being in front of a crowd. We think you're the only one that can pull this one off. I said, I'm not being asked to sing to him, Greg. You want me to preach to him. But I had to admit, the guy kind of had a point. Unfortunately, I was the most qualified to do this. So Greg and I wrote a little sermon about serving as we drove the rest of the way there. He actually had to pull over at one point because I was getting car sickness from writing and riding. I pretty much got no sleep that night. I was so nervous. And let me tell you something. The fear that I had before I walked out there. It wasn't butterflies because butterflies are actually like a good thing. This was like pigeons. Like pigeons flying around in my stomach, disturbed and sick pigeons, and they was like killing each other. I'm telling you, I literally had pee running down my leg. I was so scared. But I stepped out, and I did it. And that was like, it was like the first time that I ever felt that maybe God was calling me to do much more than I ever imagined or that I ever thought was possible. See, some of you have no idea what you're capable of doing until you step out and do it. My dad's superhero, his Avenger, John Wayne, once said, courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyway. Joshua 1 verse 9 says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You can't let fear keep you from stepping out of the boat. So now you know how important it is to step in. And you know how important it is to step out. So now's the time for you to step up.
if you hear God calling you to do something, and it's consistent with His Word, and it's something that will glorify Him, do it. Man, step up to the plate. At least take a swing. So what if you're a little scared of the ball? The thing is, God's got you at that plate for a reason. It's like this video that I saw on Facebook, and I'm going to show it to you here in a second, but there's this big old pit bull that's being called to come down the hallway by its owner. And the problem is there's a cat asleep in the corner. And this pit bull's scared of this cat. And he doesn't want the cat to wake up. So he's very reluctant to go down this hallway, even though the master's saying, Come on. Come on. You can do this. Let's watch this. You can't let opportunities pass you by because you're afraid. You can't. Jesus is saying, come on. You can do this. Don't be afraid. I'm right here. I need you over here. I got plans for you. You don't want to miss out on these plans. So the question is, how is God calling you to step? Is He inviting you to step in? Like me, 11 years ago? He's saying, come on. Lay down that net. i got a new life waiting for you. i got keys to the kingdom here. Maybe he's calling you to step out. Maybe it's just been a while since you stepped out of the boat. You just got a little too comfortable. It's time to get moving again. It's time to step out. You know, maybe some of you have been reluctant to share Christ with your neighbors with your family, with your classmates. Sometimes it's easier to tuck that cross away than proclaim it. But here's the thing. Everyone is led to Jesus by someone. 
everyone is led to Jesus by someone. I'll tell you what, as great as the story earlier sounds, Peter didn't just step into a relationship with the total stranger that day. In the book of John, it tells how Andrew found out about Jesus from John the Baptist, and Andrew then told his brother Simon about him. Everyone is led to Jesus by someone. Man, you cannot be a fisher of man without casting out to people. Invite your family. Invite your friends. Invite your circle of three that you've been praying for. Man, this is just way too important not to. Well, I doubt they're going to come. Man, don't let opportunities pass you by because of doubt. Proverbs 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. We're starting a new series next week about doubt. It's called I Doubt It. Everybody's got the thing in their brochures today. Invite somebody. Invite the people that are important to you. Take a step of faith. You know, every single step you take is leading you somewhere. I mean, I bet Peter never imagined, in spite of his mishaps, in spite of his screw-ups, in spite of his failures, that every step he was taking, every risk he was chancing was leading him to a moment that the Holy Spirit would usher in the church. And God would have him, a former fisherman, stand up and lead it. What's God calling you to do? Philippians 4 verse 3 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Man, his plan's bigger than yours. His way is better than yours. I can assure you, 11 years ago, I never dreamed I'd be up here speaking on his behalf. What's God got in store for you? You step in, you step out, and you step up, and you're going to find out. Let's stand for closing prayer. bow our heads. Father God, we uh, stand before you right now. A community of people like Peter who have failed to stand up for you at times, who have tried to do things our way instead of your way. God, forgive us. And God, I pray for a conviction in each one of us to to be able to take a step out 
a step out towards you. And for the people who you are calling today to step in, God, I pray they will repeat these words silently to themselves. I admit that I'm a sinner. And I ask forgiveness for the things I've done. I repent. I'm going to turn away from these sins. I believe that your son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for my sins. And I commit my life to him and confess him as my Lord and Savior. And I ask for the Holy Spirit to enter my life and guide me from this day forward. And God, I also pray for those that you've been calling to step out. God, any of us in here that may have just been sitting in the boat for far too long. God, I ask for you to instill a desire and a hunger in us to get us moving again. To be able to take risks for your glory. Chances for your kingdom. And God, thank you for the amazing ways that you plan on using us and the incredible journey that these steps will lead us on. In your powerful name, amen. Hey, if you stepped into a relationship with Christ today, congratulations on laying down that net. Go to the connections table, get a Bible, welcome to the family. There's a prayer team up here if anyone is in need of prayer. Know you are always loved in this place. We will see you next week.